Kia ora, and welcome to my daily podcast on the kaka. I'm Bernard Hickey. It is Wednesday the 3rd of November. I wanted to talk today about the housing market and the Reserve Bank's role in what's happened over the last year and a half. Yesterday, the Reserve Bank Governor, Adrian Orr, came out with a big long speech about the Reserve Bank's role, whether it was responsible for the 34% rise in house prices since the advent of COVID in February and March last year. So house prices have risen 34%, and I think that surprised an awful lot of people, including the Reserve Bank and the government. And I suspect it has surprised, in a bad way, both of them, because we're now looking at the housing market rising by 500 billion dollars in the last 18 months. That means that people who own property are now over 500 billion dollars richer because of what's happened in the housing market. At the same time, of course, we've got tens of thousands of people waiting for housing. Uh, We've got uh, rent increases which are making life very difficult for people on low incomes. And a whole generation of people believe now that they can't get into the housing market on their own steam, that they'll have to rely on deposits and lotto wins from other people to get into the housing market. So understandably, the government and the Reserve Bank are a little bit sensitive about criticism that they caused this housing market explosion over the last 18 months. So let's look at what's actually happened, what the Reserve Bank Governor said yesterday, and uh, whether that's worth challenging. I think it is. Firstly, um, let's just recap on what went on in the last 18 months. Obviously, COVID arrived and we went into lockdown in late March of last year. The Reserve Bank and others at the time thought this would cause a massive recession and a big rise in unemployment and a drop in output, which would be catastrophic. There was some talk even of unemployment rising to 30%, certainly more than 10%, and that there would be a collapse in asset values and a collapse in economic activity. So the Reserve Bank basically pulled all the levers in emergency action to cushion the blow of the worst economic shock since the Second World War for New Zealand and the rest of the world. And you can understand why. We all remember how at the end of March we all went into lockdown and we stopped spending pretty much apart from at the supermarket and online and a whole bunch of people who would have been out there producing things weren't they were at home watching Netflix and so the Reserve Bank did a couple of things firstly it slashed the official cash rate to 0.25 percent from uh, close to one percent and that's quite a big drop and it was a record low. Secondly, it announced, at least initially, uh, that it would uh, print or create tens of billions of dollars to buy government bonds. The point of this is to lower long-term interest rates by essentially mopping up a lot of the supply of extra bonds that are coming onto the market and by lowering long-term interest rates, making it cheaper for businesses and households to borrow money and to spend that money. So that makes sense. It also, at that time, removed completely the loan-to-value ratio restrictions which had been in place at various levels of strength 
since 2013. It removed them completely, so there were no restrictions on banks lending at 90%, 100% to investors, whoever they wanted, as much as they wanted, and uh, the Reserve Bank was doing this to try and stimulate uh, lending and economic activity, because in New Zealand, I mean, I say this, the Reserve Bank wouldn't, but we have a housing market with bits tacked on. We don't so much have a, a real economy. So those things made sense at the time and didn't actually get a lot of challenging. Because if you want to uh, get the New Zealand economy going, making everyone feel richer seems to make a lot of sense. And for those people who are homeowners and who tend to be the most vocal in society, they were really happy about it. <laughs> and um, some of them went out and spent a bit of extra money. They might have gone to um, buy some uh, uh, stuff at Bunnings Warehouse and the likes or the supermarket and actually... In that period through March and June, there was a lot of spending on home renovations and, of course, on things at the supermarket. And this was uh, part of the plan. The Reserve Bank said outright that it wanted to use the wealth effect of the housing market and other assets around, but for New Zealanders, that mostly means the housing market, to try and stimulate um, activity in the economy and uh, make sure people were feeling confident. At the same time, of course, the government paid wage subsidies to businesses, small and large, about $14 billion uh, in a few months, cash straight into accounts, not too many questions asked, no audits, no need to see documents and no means testing. And so $14 billion went to businesses with the aim of ensuring they didn't sack all their workers, and that worked. And the Reserve Bank's actions in cutting interest rates uh, in pressuring long-term uh, interest rates down uh, by quantitative easing, money printing to buy government bonds in the secondary market, was also uh, very effective at slowing, uh, effective at cushioning uh, the economy. And then house prices started to rise, and not many people had expected this. Um, and not only rise a little bit, explode. And we saw that over the coming four or five months, it was an initial drop in the first month or two of lockdown, and then it really started to take off. And by November, um, everyone could see that the housing market was on fire. And so the Reserve Bank then announced it was going to reimpose the loan-to-value ratio restrictions. And by March of this year, it had stopped money printing. It actually pledged it was going to buy up to $100 billion worth of government bonds by the time it stopped had bought about $58 billion worth of government bonds. So then the government came out in March, of course, with its um, announcements about removing the ability for landlords to uh, claim interest on their mortgages as a tax-deductible expense and um, a doubling of the Bright Line test for uh, capital gains for those people buying and selling houses from five years to ten years. Yet house prices still kept rising. And so we've seen the Reserve Bank in the last couple of months tighten those LVR restrictions even more. And uh, uh, today has actually announced that it's going to push ahead with its consultation for a debt income multiple restriction. Uh, um, we'll see whether the government agrees to that. It's not that keen on it because uh, first home buyers are the ones who get hammered there. So the Reserve Bank's done what is now seems pretty conventional in central bank terms. Um, but there are some people asking the question, hang on a minute, has the government and the Reserve Bank effectively 
used the tool of making wealthy people wealthier to try and uh, cushion the blow to the economy, which has some political implications and is in effect using widening wealth inequality to solve an economic problem, which uh, you've run out of tools to do otherwise. So that's the that's the challenge, uh, which some people have put to the Reserve Bank, including me, over the last few months. And so the Reserve Bank has come back with a response and a defence of its actions over the last 18 months. Firstly, uh, it said that uh, the uh, surge in demand for housing that happened over the last 18 months, in part fuelled by lending from banks to home buyers, uh, was in effect a demand push on a door which was very open in terms of house price inflation because housing supply is so restricted. In particular, the Reserve Bank has pointed to a lack of available land that is zoned and infrastructured to uh, build new houses and um, the problems that we're seeing with um, various supply shortages, building materials and the likes, which is all true. and. You could see how um, you could argue that um, the Reserve Bank was just doing its normal job of trying to keep inflation low at the same time as maximising full employment. And you've seen maybe from the uh, employment figures today, uh, unemployment 3.4% shows that it seems to have worked. And the Reserve Bank governor has said at various times that his, he sees his, the things that keep him awake at night are rising unemployment and that the best way to avoid uh, inequality and uh, pain for those people who are vulnerable is to ensure that they have jobs. That is um, fair enough. The question though is, uh, did it know that it's uh, using the wealth effect tool uh, was going to increase prices so much? Did it think that it would work to stimulate economic activity? And uh, was there any alternative? So could it have done anything different? And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big exercise in what the Americans call Monday morning quarterbacking <laughs> going on here. But I think it's worth asking the question because the Reserve Bank has defended its response. Firstly, um, there were alternatives. So um, the government uh, could have effectively given everyone a cash amount uh, of equal amounts, let's say $10,000 in cash, uh, very quickly. Um, they could have done it through the IRD or the MSD. They certainly did it for businesses. Um, and then that money would have been spent or saved. Uh, for those people who are on lower incomes and most vulnerable, they would have spent almost all of it. Uh, so that was an option. The government chose not to even do that, even though there was some very early initial discussion that that might be a possibility, given that other countries had done this so-called helicopter money. And um, this was never really considered uh, here because politically, to be frank, uh, for a Labour government to give poor people, unemployed people, $10,000 in cash, it's just sounded too much like um, free money falling from trees and the world's about to end with an inflation research. Instead, what happened was that people who owned assets became more than $500 billion richer 
And people who ran businesses uh, were given $18 billion in cash, which they then put into their term deposit accounts. So in effect, the response of this government, this Labour government and the Reserve Bank, with the approval of the finance minister, so just in case you were about to argue that this was an independent Reserve Bank decision, it has uh, the rights to do what it wants to um, meet its monetary policy objectives, uh, was, um, they said nothing to do with the government, no, um, the Reserve Bank, because this is an unusual thing to do, actually got the permission of the finance minister to go ahead and do this before they did it. In fact, they, they got themselves a, a um, essentially a free pass uh, in the form of uh, um, uh, the government saying it would make up for any losses that the Reserve Bank faced in buying these bonds. So this was a combined effort. This was the government making this decision. So they had a choice. They could have done helicopter money. They chose not to. Instead, they chose to um, print money, to cut interest rates, to remove uh, loan-to-value ratio restrictions, and actually, for a few billion dollars, lend money directly to banks at 0.25% so that they could lend on into the housing market. So we're left with this uh, um, suggestion that maybe there was something different they could have done. Now, what, what impact might helicopter money have had relative to using the wealth effect. Well, the Reserve Bank did some research a couple of years ago in which it looked at the effects of the wealth effect. It estimated that for every extra dollar of wealth that a homeowner had, they would spend three cents of it. So if you were suddenly $500 billion richer, you would be spending around about $15 billion in extra spending. Now, that's the theory. As it turned out, that didn't happen. Um, when you look at um, consumer spending in the 18 months since the start of the pandemic versus the previous 18 months, there was actually only a couple of billion dollars increase in consumer spending. But what we do know is that a lot of money went into bank accounts for both businesses and for households, and we do know that the value of those properties have risen. So it wasn't actually a very effective intervention at stimulating extra consumer spending. Now, you might say, ah, but what about the counterfactual? What if they hadn't done it? Then um, we could have seen a collapse in consumer spending, and maybe the $15 billion, actually just uh, $13 billion of it, was uh, money that was spent um, instead of a collapse in spending. So that's possible, I suppose. It's hard to know. In fact, it's unknowable. But... Um, uh, certainly, if you had done $15 billion worth of helicopter money, a good chunk of that would have been spent. Uh, the Reserve Bank, uh, in, a, in the speech yesterday, the Governor Adrian Orr, uh, came out and said that the Reserve Bank's wasn't its role to target a level for house prices. And that was something the government, um, that was a government responsibility in a way, and, and also pointed out that the supply constraints in the New Zealand economy and also the tax advantages of investing in residential property were something that governments, both central and local governments, should take responsibility for. And the Reserve Bank shouldn't be blamed that when it uh, pulls the demand, the demand lever uh, during a potential recession and it pumps up house prices, that it shouldn't be held responsible for it. Well, um, that same paper talking about uh, the 
the wealth effect, estimating the three cents extra in spending from an extra dollar in wealth, also included some interesting work on supply elasticities for the housing market. So it actually went to the trouble of working out what were, how elastic the housing market was, just to see what would happen to house prices if you pushed on them. Uh, and this is 2019, so not that old. And not surprisingly, we don't have a realistic housing market. And so the Reserve Bank knew that. So they knew they'd get three cents in every dollar. They knew that when they pushed on demand, there would be um, a not very elastic supply response, and therefore that would push up house prices, at least in the short term. They also knew from advice that came to them from Treasury uh, that uh, um, if there was a big jump in house prices and asset values, which we have seen with previous bouts of quantitative easing and, and which we have seen overseas as well, because the Reserve Bank's not alone in doing this, and in fact the Reserve Bank's quantitative easing is about the same size relative to the economy of the US Federal Reserve that um, this would widen inequality. So the government was advised, uh, both the finance minister and the Reserve Bank. Uh, there's no, no discussion really in the speech yesterday about the potential effects on inequality. Adrian Orr has been asked this in the past, and his argument has been that the, um, that, his, that the Reserve Bank's main role is to keep activity going uh, when there's a uh, potential collapse like this and keeping someone in a job is the best thing that the Reserve Bank can possibly do. And it, implying an effect that the rise in house prices is the collateral damage of the only things the Reserve Bank could do. Um, given that there are alternatives that would have been more effective at stimulating, um, stimulating activity, although politically um, it would have been difficult, uh, that's beside the point. And um, I think the Reserve Bank uh, should look a bit more closely at the effects on inequality of its use of monetary policy over the last 18 months, as should the government. Because we're now in this extraordinary situation where um, now this is a market that is seen to be too big to fail. And one of the other features of the speech yesterday from... Adrian Orr, was his advice to uh, uh, property owners who are very heavily weighted in New Zealand uh, in property, more so than other countries, that they needed to diversify. And he pointed to the relative success of uh, KiwiSaver in recent years and the benefits of a diversification. Suggesting in a way that um, the Reserve Bank was, like, was, was going to see a fall in medium-term house prices and that you know, ploughing yet more money into the housing market wouldn't be a good idea. Essentially, trying to change expectations about what's happening with housing, but also, you know, uh, give people some not specific financial advice, but a bit, a few tips about uh, spreading their eggs around a few more baskets than just housing. That's not the first time we've heard a Reserve Bank governor say this. When you look over the last 20 years or so, we've, uh, in fact, even further back than that, into the, into the 90s, we've heard Don Brash, Alan Bollard and Graham Wheeler at various points essentially say to homeowners, this market is unsustainably high, there is a risk of rising mortgage rates, there is a risk that house prices fall, you need to know this before you buy the next house. And in today's um, email, I give a lot more detail about what they said and when and what happened to house prices since. But the essence of the thing is that 
Officials from the Reserve Bank and politicians have been saying for 20 years that house prices have peaked and they're likely to fall. And lots of people have been saying that, including me. In 2008, I came out and said that house prices were overvalued to the tune of 30% and could fall that much uh, during the 2008-2009 recession after the global financial crisis. At that point, the Reserve Bank then intervened to lend money to banks directly and to rescue them from uh, having to repay short-term loans that they had with money markets in New York and London. Effectively, the Reserve Bank um, created money out of nothing to lend it to banks just to make sure. They were repaid, of course, and uh, there wasn't a lot of song and dance about it at the time, but that's what happened. And also it cut interest rates dramatically. So what investors have seen over the last 15 years or so with both the global financial crisis and the COVID uh, crisis is that the central bank and the government will do things to keep this housing market up, to use it to stimulate the economy, to protect it from stopping falling so that the reverse effect of the stimulation doesn't happen. And it has, at successive elections, decided against um, evening up the um, balance on taxation to make housing much less attractive. So in effect, investors have now worked out that despite what politicians and central bankers say, this is a too-big-to-fail market that is now a useful tool for managing the economy, let alone getting re-elected because homeowners feel richer. It is also um, too big to fail in that our banking system is becoming increasingly reliant on the housing market. In fact, that's one of the arguments the Reserve Bank has given for tightening lending controls that um, it needs to reduce some of the riskier lending uh, done in the last 18 months, which it allowed by removing those controls uh, to ensure that the, house, the um, banking system remains safe. So um, those are the arguments of the Reserve Bank. I would push back and say that the Reserve Bank and the government are responsible for a poor policy choice which widened inequality, which wasn't as effective at stimulating the economy as um, direct payments to all individuals of the same amount of cash, and that uh, it the Reserve Bank doesn't seem to have learned much from that exercise or has uh, responded to the challenges from some, mostly uh, from some people on the left, I suppose you'd call it, that it did the wrong thing. And it, of course, also hasn't responded to the... Um, problem of moral hazard, which has developed now with the housing market, or look to combat effectively the expectations now that investors have that house prices will rise 6 to 7% every year, double every decade, because in effect, homeowners and investors have been watching the market for the last 20 or 30 years and assuming that house prices will double every 10 years, we're much more right than the the experts at the Reserve Bank or the politicians telling them that they needed to pull back from this overvalued market. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was uh, a podcast on the Kaka. It is the Wednesday, the 3rd of November. Kakite anō.